Right, well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we have this opportunity to worship our God once again. Um, before we actually do the sermon, one announcement that I was asked to make, and that was from um, Janice stating that last week we were thinking that that was going to be um, the end of collecting monies for the church in Africa. Um, but for whatever the reasons are, that today's going to be the last day. So if you haven't um, given a donation and want to, you're welcome to help. Remember, this is the church that um, brethren are having a hard time with uh, the rain coming in. It's turning into mud in their worship place. And so we're hopefully um, being able to at least, at the very least, purchase windows, um, let alone the flooring and other things that are um, needed for that congregation. Uh, be a great help. This is a church that had a lot of uh, men that would come and preach from um, other locations to this congregation. And so this is a need that, that has come up and hopefully something that we can help meet. So if you can do that, see Janice or see Ben. I don't see Ben, so see Janice. <laughs> and we can get those uh, donations sent off. All right. So you, you've read the passage. You've heard it um, read as, as was given for us by Jake. And, and it's a very interesting parable because... It's very simple to think about this concept of here's a tree and it's not bearing any fruit. And if you are the mindset that, you know, life is more than just about pretty eye candy, you know, the, the beautiful flowers are great, but if it's not producing for you and you're having this as your livelihood or just necessity to, to live, then cut it down, you know? And the whole point was, this is a very generous and patient individual who is waiting and waiting. He's even helping and fertilizing it, and nothing happens. And so the point is, if it, we'll give it one more year. If this tree is not going to bear any fruit, cut it down. There's some fundamental truths that we're going to look at this morning. Very quick sermon. Very important, however. Because this is an opportunity for every one of us in this room to do some self-evaluation and to see what kind of fruit we have. And if we were to do this from a thematic standpoint from Scripture, you can actually go from the very beginning when God said, be fruitful and multiply. Where he plants a tree in the garden and it bears tons of fruit for everyone in this garden. In fact, others would refer back to that garden of God or the garden of Eden. And this, it was, the land was like that. It was flowing with milk and honey. It was like the garden of Eden. Things like that that are very fundamental to this very concept that we are talking about today. See, God created us to be able to be fruitful individuals as we reflect his image. And so what we're looking at this morning is the... Let me see if I am the right place. Yeah. This morning is the emphasis of this concept of bearing fruit. So what I'm wanting us to do is note some of these passages. You've read these many, many times. There's been sermons on these, but I want to see the emphasis that the scriptures bring out. And these are a number of them, not all of them, but a number of them that bears this point. So number one, in, in Matthew chapter 12, among other places that you can read, Matthew 7 included, we have this concept that the tree is known by its fruit. Plant a good tree, you get good fruit. You have a bad tree, it gets diseased, you get bad fruit, right? So very simple statement. You're going to know a tree by its fruit. What kind of fruit does this have? And if you'll note the context here in Matthew chapter 12, notice what's being said. And I think this is the point that you're going to see emphasized in all of the other passages. So when you go to Matthew 12, note with me what 
Jesus is referring to when he's talking about this concept of a bad tree. If you notice, in verse 22, there was one who brought to him a demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Jesus bore fruit right then. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? That's what they're asking. Based upon what Jesus did. And notice, verse 24, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Here is Jesus. He heals someone, does something so fantastic. And everyone's marveling at this this goodness of what Jesus has done in light of these miracles. But you have other individuals that because they don't like Jesus, they're like, well, here's the reason why. He's casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub. Now, I don't know about you, but you'd like to think that no one would buy their story. Right? You cast out demons by way of demons. I mean, that's how you're going to strengthen the cause of demons. Divide them up. Conquer them. And they'll win. It's not going to happen that way. Right? Jesus goes on to even say, a house divided cannot stand. It'll fall. And then Jesus turns around and saying, guys, listen. Look at the fruit. If I'm doing good, is there evil in me? And what he's implying is, look at the Pharisees. Their hearts are not right with God. Look at their fruit. Look at what they're doing. So you've got that context. Then we, we looked at um, uh, Luke chapter 13, but very, much, very similar to Luke 13 is Luke chapter 3. And notice what, again, is being said with regard to fruit. And this is John the Baptist now in this case. And we're going to see very similar teachings of what John was teaching as compared to Jesus. So Luke chapter 3, notice in verse 7. G, um, John is preaching um, at the Sea of Galilee and the river in the Jordan. And notice, he says to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of God to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Very clear. We want to see a manifestation that you are living a life of repentance. In other words, it's, it's not always the case where you take, okay, all these individual very specific sins and like, have you stopped that? It's more, you've been living this way. God wants you to live this way. You've been living in a manner that doesn't reflect him now, reflect him. And that's why you'll see individuals when they come up to John or later on when they come up to Jesus and, well, what do we do in these situations? This is what a life of repentance looks like, right? You used to live a way in which it was all for yourself. Now you're living a way that you want, out of your volition, you want to be pleasing to God. You want to do His way because His way is perfect. It is lifting up and building up the community of people that belong to this kingdom and reaching out for those who would wish to come into this kingdom. That's a concept here. So John the Baptist says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And so like in Luke chapter 13, as was read again, he says, 
If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. So when we look at the life, you're going to be known by your fruit, good fruit or bad fruit. You look at your life, does it show a life of repentance? But ultimately, if you're not bearing good fruit, judgment comes. That's the picture of the scriptures, right? That's the emphasis of what discipleship looks like. Keep that in mind. Now go to Matthew 5. I want you to see this point because as simple as this lesson is, sometimes we get lost in our lives and we think here's what's important. And, and here's God's word telling us here's what is important. Notice what we might want to focus on issue-wise. What does Jesus focus on issue-wise? And so we'll see. Matthew chapter 5, of all the things that Jesus could have said, of course, it's a very familiar passage that we, we're familiar with. He says this, and he re reflects the same thoughts as what is being said in these previous verses. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. It's just like if you're not bearing fruit, cast out that tree, burn it up. If, if we look at it in a synonymous fashion, you're the salt of the earth, but if you lose the flavor, what's the point? Again, similarly, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But... Put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Same thing as good fruit. He's saying the same thing. We are meant as disciples of Jesus Christ for the world to see. Now, it's not a matter of I'm doing it so that you look at me. Look at how awesome I am. Right? You're not doing it from a standpoint of like scoring points so that you get into heaven because that's not it. What you're doing is you're actually reflecting how God desired to create you in his image and you're showing that to this world. It's a beautiful way of living. Here is our God who gives you life, provides for you this beautiful kingdom to live in. And you reflect the image. That's what these passages are talking about when you read from the Beatitudes all the way through this point so far. And so this is the emphasis that the scriptures give on this concept that is known as bearing good fruit. So, that said, notice this. Notice these general truths then that are found in these passages. And then we'll kind of close up this very short sermon so that you walk out with one singular point in mind, and that is, am I bearing good fruit? That's it. And not just on a Sunday, and not when we're all together and we can put our best foot forward, but as we live life every day. So read these passages with me. In John chapter 15, beginning in verses 1 all the way through verse 8, is this concept of discipleship, right? And it's a passage well-known, great sermons that have been given from it, Let's reread, read it once more. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, you are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Did you see the contrast between good fruit and bad fruit? In this case, good fruit and no fruit. It's very telling. If you focus in particularly on verses 4 and verse 6, notice what he says. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, what he's saying is, if you're not bearing fruit, you've got to come to the conclusion you're not abiding in me. And the reality is, sometimes we can deceive ourselves into thinking, you know, I've done all these wonderful things. We'll get to that section in Matthew 7. We can fool ourselves. God sees our fruit. Remember, we just looked at the 139th Psalm in our Bible class, and he sees everything. He knows. He knows our hearts. He knows our intentions. He's not focused on anything else but what fruit look like good or bad that's what he's focused on and sometimes I think we misplace what the real issues are in the name of being faithful to God these are explicit passages talking about the heart of man in every one of them and so very clear you need to abide in him if you're going to bear fruit and if you are in him you cannot help but bear good fruit and to bear abundance of it. That's what he's saying here. In verse 6, he goes on and he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. Just like the parable that Jesus gave in Luke 13. And so we see this beautiful concept of what life is supposed to be like as disciples of God. That's why we have, and we could have looked at many, many more passages. You know, passages like Ephesians chapter 2, where we are told that we are created in Christ Jesus for what? Well, if I can paraphrase, for bearing good fruit. Yeah. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, created unto every good work. And they will do so abundantly. That's what happens when you abide in Jesus. Remember passage one more time. I'm going to read verse 6, and then we're going to go to Matthew 7. One more time. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, what happens when you say, yeah, but 
I did this and I did this and I did that. all these good things. And we can just list them off. Go to Matthew 7. Some of you are already with me. You already know where I'm going and what I'm going to say because the passage is abundantly clear. Right? I'm going to back up to verse 15. And we're going to read through to verse 23. Jesus, again, talking to his disciples. Here's the beautiful and great sermon on the mount. He says, beware of false prophets. Okay, so what are these guys doing then? Notice what, how he qualifies the false prophets. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. I'm not trying to teach something wrong like Apollos with, that only knew the baptism of John. These are people who Jesus explicitly say they look like they're good, but really they're bad. He says of them, you will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes and thorn bushes of the, or, or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Remember, he's talking about discipleship. If you're in Christ, you cannot but bear good fruit. If you're bearing bad fruit, we've got to think if you're in Christ. And he's not saying it here, but with all the other passages we're looking at, that's the implication. A good tree cannot, verse 18, bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits... You will know them. Very similar to the other passages. Notice. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That should be good fruit. Cast out demons in your name. Done many wonders in your name. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Just like again, like Psalm 139. In this case, I don't know you. I've never known you. We don't have fellowship. We don't have fellowship because your fruit is bad. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You might have done all these things, but look at your heart. Look at your deeds. That's the fruit that you're bearing. Unfortunately, sometimes we, we get the things wrong as far as how we're going to judge whether someone is faithful or not. Jesus is making it very clear. He's looking at the heart and the lives of individuals and many other passages that bring this exact point over and over and over again. This is what happens with the kind of fruit that you have. So when the Bible is talking about fruit, what are we looking at then? Right? Because remember, we have issues, and then we have what should be the issues. For instance, in Romans chapter 14, the issue at hand would be something like this, where we have meat that had been offered to idols. And you have some brethren, in the name of wanting to bear good fruit, saying... If we were to 
eat this meat, it would be the equivalent of worshiping idols. And you have brethren, on the other hand, wanting to bear good fruit to God, and they're looking at it from a standpoint of, listen, meat's nothing, the idol's nothing. We can do this. Similar to 1 Corinthians 8. The real issue Paul was saying is, how are you guys working together in the midst of this difference that you have? Because God is able to make both stand. Verse 4 of chapter 15, or chapter 14, verse 5, excuse me. Right? Beware, judge, because realize this. Jesus is able to make both sides stand in him. Paul says as much when he says knowledge puffs up, love edifies, where's the fruit? With the, with the knowledge, I'm going to give you all my great debate points that I learned from my college days and then on, and I'm going to hammer it down your throat. But it'll be right. The next one is going to build up by the scripture teaching of the greatest commandment, to love your God and to love your neighbor. Which one builds up? Which one destroys? Luke chapter, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, verse 2. One builds up, one destroys. Knowledge puffs up, love edifies, he says. So what is the fruit then? What are the deeds that are being judged? Well, Galatians chapter 5 tells us this. And kids, you already know the, the passage. You've already memorized it. Many of us as adults, we memorize the various fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that we are told that we are judged by. Notice again how beautiful these words are and how terrifying for those that are not bearing this kind of fruit in as far as their, their lives are concerned. So Galatians chapter 5, here, here we go. Read the passage, verses 22 and 23 and even verse uh, 24. We're going to focus in on verse 22 and 23. Chapter 5, here we go. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what he said the issues are. He said against these there, or against such there is no law. He contrasts that with the other quote-unquote bad fruit. In this passage, it is referred to as works of the flesh. But he could have easily said this is evil fruit or bad fruit because you will know a person by their fruit. And those individuals, here's the lifestyle that they live. Fornication, verse 19. Adultery, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, hearsays, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and he continues with the like. Could have gone on and on, just as the fruit of the Spirit could have gone on and on. What does the Bible focus on with regard to fruit? And here's what the Bible reveals very explicitly. There's no need for us to, to really have to expound other than what is given very clearly for us. Or how about this? If we're talking about walking in wisdom, right? In Ephesians chapter 5, we have the contrast of those who are going to walk according to the flesh or those who are going to walk according to the spirit, just as was given in Galatians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 in very similar fashion. And again, we could use many other passages that bring this point out. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. 
So going on to Ephesians. Notice this. Verse 1. Be imitators of God as dear children. Think about it. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Okay? And what is the very first words when he makes man? Be fruitful and multiply. That is not just a command to procreate. There is a theological significance about what we are created for. That we reflect the image of God and we are very fruitful in the way we live. In showing the image of God as image bearers. And what Paul is doing, he's taking that concept and he's using it when he's talking about how we should live life. As children of God, be imitators of God. Walk in what? The fruit of love. And he talks about this concept all throughout this passage. And he contrasts that with those who are bearing bad fruit. That's why in verse 3 says, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Whether it's filthy uh, talking, foolish talking, coarse jesting, they're not fitting. He goes on to say, here's what is fitting for those who walk this way. He says in verse 15, we could have gone on uh, this concept of contrast between light and darkness, between good fruit and bad fruit, very similar in, in the way it's written. He says in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the days because they are evil. Think about all the days and weeks and months, maybe possibly years that pass by when we're living selfishly for ourselves. When we we look out and see what others are doing we don't like. How do we treat them? How do we think of them? How do we live life? Because this life is fleeting. Before we know it, we're on death's door and we're wishing we could have a do-over. We have regrets because we've not been bearing the kind of fruit that God wants us to bear, gave us the opportunity to bear. He says, do not be unwise, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, here's the will of the Lord right here, bearing this fruit. Very simple. Hard to do in practice, especially when our hearts are evil. In fact, if that's a way that we're going to live our lives, we've got to question whether or not we are truly children of God. Do not be unwise. Understand the will of the Lord. In contrast, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. He says, be filled with the Spirit. You want to get drunk, be drunk on the Spirit of God. Notice what he says. Speaking to one another, how? In psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, the words that build each other up. That's the fruit that God wants from us. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord or in the fear of God. This is how we're supposed to be living our lives. So when you're asking the question, if you're, if you're doing your own reading of Scripture or you're talking to others, what is bearing fruit look like? What does it look like in a day-to-day activity? Explicitly. Love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, self-control, all those things and many more that are representation of God's Spirit 
being manifested in and through our lives, that's how you live your life. It's real simple as far as on paper, hard to do when you're not walking with God, if you're not having God's spirit, Romans chapter 8. But with God's spirit, it should be obvious. This is the way we live. And that is why it's so fulfilling when, as we were talking about last week, for those that went and, and helped our neighbors that, that are freezing cold this winter, and it's only getting colder in the next few days, and we're only in the beginning of November, you can help them be a little warmer, help someone who is in need in some small way or some great way that you have the ability to do, do it. This is what God meant for us to be doing and living life this way throughout our walk. That's how we shine our light. That's how we bear good fruit. That's what good fruit looks like rather than tearing down or trying to outsmart someone with what words that seem so intelligent, but they tear down. Here's what we see, Scripture. Here's what the Hebrew writer says. This is how... God is molding us as we walk with him. It is called discipline. And all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Well, because you're, you're having to put off the old man of sin, the one that is so fleshly, the one that wants to do my things my way. But when you're being trained in the way of righteousness, in the way of the Lord, in the way of his spirit, here's what he says. Yet to those who have been trained, in other words, you allow by your volition, you allow yourself to be molded so that you can go from saying that song that we sing, all of self and none of thee, to that transition to where we get to the point where we can say, God, none of self and all of thee, not my will, but your will be done. To those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's what you see. It's called transformation. It's what allows for a person like myself who lived selfishly for self and who you get to know as brother in Christ. You get to see me as your brother in Christ saying, Mitch loves God. He wants to walk with God. Not perfect at it, but he wants to and he strives to. And I get to say the same of you as a brother or sister in Christ, that you love God and you love his people and you love this world who is full of darkness and you want them to turn and see the light of God. And you show them the light of God because God created you to reflect his light. He created you to bear his fruit. And you do it. And there are those that, that they see that and they want that. And they come into the kingdom. And they go from living a life that is so contrary to God to so much bearing his image. Because they bear his fruit. That's what we see here. The peaceful fruit of righteousness in individuals like that. Beautiful thing. Finally, just as we read in John 15 verse 8, I want you to pay very close attention to these words. My father is glorified by this. This is how he's glorified. That you bear much fruit. And so prove, you manifest, right? the way you live your life, and so you prove to be disciples of Jesus. That's what he says. Not rocket scientists, is it? Very simple. Extremely powerful words. 
some people will be mistaken in the name of Jesus Christ like those whom Jesus condemned and says I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness this is your fruit outwardly you have an appearance like sheep but I know your heart you are a ravenous wolf or you are my sheep you hear my voice we know each other we have fellowship with each other Everlasting life is for you because you live the way I created you to live. That's our calling. And that's your choice. Again, your choice. The step that we're talking about here, only a step, it may be leading about salvation, but it's a way of salvation, a, a life of one who is saved. Take that step. Make the choice. To bear good fruit. When you walk out of this room and you're going to live your life, think about these words and let the beauty of what God has done for you in and through your life be the fruit that you show to this world. Again, not for showmanship, but so that God is glorified. I pray that that's your desire. When all is said and done, when we face the judgment, God knows. He knows all of our hearts. Not one of us can judge one another, but God will. And he will do it out of his love, out of his mercy, but even out of his righteousness. And so if you're wanting to walk worthy, bear good fruit for the Lord. If you're here this morning and you want to become a child of God and you want to live this way, we urge you to start with a great decision where you put off that old way of sinfulness. And the idea of repentance is saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to live your way. That's what happens when you die to sin and race to walk in newness of life if you believe Jesus to be the Christ, the one who came to save you. If you believe to be one who can be united with Christ through that salvation and be molded into his image, that's a good invitation. It's a great invitation for you. And brethren, if you need our prayers, by all means, as we do all the time, we'd be happy and honored to pray for you if you're struggling in any way. Why don't you take advantage of this as together we stand and sing this song.